we're in this really cool series that we're enjoying called Names in Stories with the intention of getting to know people and hearing their story. And, and really the heart behind this, uh, the key scripture is in Revelation and it says this, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and our word of our testimony. And, and we are having different people share their testimony so that we can build our faith and really see that God works for everyone. This Jesus thing works for everyone. And the more stories we get to hear, the more our faith is built that says, when I'm going through something similar, I can remember their story and have my faith built. So tonight we have a guy named Mike Lavoy here with us, and we're excited to have him speak. He is the closest to a certified BA human being that I've ever met. Um, he's ex-military, and he does know how to hurt you with his pinky, like that kind of stuff. So just be really nice and responsive, and things will go well. But uh, we're really excited to hear his... He's also from Boston, like my family's from Boston. So we are Patriots and Bosox fans, and we unify during football season together and, and believe. And it's just easy because we have championships and a lot of them and all that. But, I mean, that's okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here's Mike, and let's welcome Mike up. All right, so Ed came up to me and he asked if I would come share how I got here. I took 272nd, I turned left on Wax Road. Mic drop. No, uh, so I am from Boston, so I'm going to tell you guys right from the start that this entire thing is built on a foundation of lies. Because I normally talk like this, and it's taken me about 10 years to hide my accent, and every other phrase comes back to Tom Brady and the socks. So I'm going to go back into my Washington mode for you. All right, so I am a preacher's kid. I was raised in the church. But to give you an idea of the type of kid that was raised in the church, I was the first and only guy that my father, the reverend at the church, kicked out of church. Because they made the mistake of my sophomore year in high school giving me a car. It's a 1989 Ford Escort Coupe. You know, the one chicks dig. Uh, And they told me that I'm the last owner of this vehicle, so do what you want. We don't care. So instantly the leopard print seats go in, the dice in the mirror, the bobblehead dog, and the bright idea of spray painting sin bin on the roof. Well, I parked under my dad's office, and he looked out the window, and he's, he's like, you're lucky God forgave you. Go home. And so, that, so I wanted to highlight that I was raised in the church, but even those that were raised in the church, you've got to make a little effort when you get a little older, right? can't just go spray sin bin on your car. It's pretty ugly. Um, I'm going to cover three topics, topics today. One of them I like to call my war on the word just. I think the word just in some contexts is an amazing word. You, if your cause is just, justice, that's a good thing, right? The Justice League is the good guys, right? Just also has a dark side. You're just a girl, You're just a janitor. You're just this. You're just that. Nothing is more demoralizing than the word just. Nothing is more dangerous in your life when you use the word just to compromise yourself. It's just this. It's just a little bit. You know, it's it's not that bad. It's just a little bad. 
Well, I'm going to go over a couple things about my war on the word just. Then I'm going to talk about finding wisdom in odd places. That's probably a meme that I saw that gave me this phrase, but I'm going to steal it because I'm a Republican and we steal stuff and put it in our speeches. Um, all right. Sometimes people need a high five, right? In the face with a shovel, right? Sometimes wisdom just comes up and bites you. And sometimes grace comes up and bites you and lets you know where it's at. And the last thing I'm going to talk to you guys about is some, a little more of the heavy stuff. That, some stuff that's happened in my life that brought me here that forced me to trust God. Every time I pray, I just pray for two things. I pray for faith and trust. And I pray for the strength to remember that. After that, everything's easy, right? If I trust that everything is in God's hands, and he gives me the strength to know that, what else is there? I mean, I don't know how Ed has a career, because that prayer is where it ends, right? So, I'm going to start with my war on the word just. Who knows the first rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club, right? Well, there's a bunch of groups that didn't get that message. What's the first rule of CrossFit? You never shut up about CrossFit. What is the first rule of being a vegan? You never shut up about being a vegan. Or, God help me if I run a marathon, because you guys, that's all I'm going to talk about is the 26.2 miles. I've never run a marathon, so you guys are good. Well, the group I do belong to that never shuts up is veterans. I am a two-time combat veteran. I was in the Army for six and a half years as an officer. So, if you ever come up to me in church, or if I see you, and you start a conversation with me, I'm sorry, but I'm dreaming up a way to work my veteran into your conversation. Like, you're going to be like, how's the weather? Better than Baghdad. <laughs> and that's how it's going to be, and I'm sorry. But that's how I am. So I'm going to tell you guys a lot of stories about the Army. So, in the Army, I was what was called a field artilleryman. Who knows what field artillery is? I'll break it down for you. Big gun go boom. I was the guy that watched a bunch of people shoot a big gun. I was the officer. I sat with my cup of coffee and said, you should do that. And they did it for me. Um, but we taught, they taught us something. We called it the mill relation formula. How many degrees in a circle? Anyone? Scream it out. 360, right? Good. I answered before you. Um, 360 degrees isn't enough for us. We go into this system called mills. There are 17.7 mills in one degree. There are 6,400 mills in a circle. And we use mills to aim cannons, those big guns that go boom, big piece of metal flies through the sky and blows up when it lands. Uh, so we have what's called the mill relation formula. If your aim is off by one mill, remember, one-seventeenth of a degree, every thousand meters out, you're off target by one meter. So imagine you could be one degree off and shooting a target a thousand meters away you're going to miss your target by 17 meters. Now, I know that's not standard. A meter is a little bit longer than a yard. Like, maybe if you would have given the ball to Marshawn Lynch, he could have run up almost a meter and got the ball in the end. Sorry. See, I digress. Too soon. Sorry, it's too, it's too soon. So, you're off by one mil. Every thousand meters, you're off your target by a whole meter. That's a pretty big deal when you're shooting steel. You know, we used to say we're steel rain, we're death from above. I mean, all these fancy terms for being 
what I was actually called was a judicious manager of violence. So now we're going to get deep. What if you just make a little sin here? You know, it's just, it's just one more beer before I got to drive home. Well, that could set your life off course. Pretty big deal at 18, and all of a sudden you're 26, you can't get a job because you got a DUI on your belt. Or you made a choice now, you didn't realize that 10,000 meters out, you're off by 50 meters and you killed the wrong guy. You, that, that bomb landed on the wrong thing. So, I tell you that, as you make your decisions now, you're young. I used to be young. I used to be the same place. Now I'm just old and gray. But the decisions you make now, you're at the gun level now, right? You make a choice now. You don't know how far off you're going to be. You don't know how many mills. You can't even measure mills with your finger like that. So start thinking about the impact of your choices now because everything you do is aiming the gun, right? So I'm going to talk about the next war on the word just. Uh, so I was in Jordan and not the 95 Bulls Jordan. I was in the country Jordan nestled in between Syria and Jerusalem, Israel and, and Lebanon, if you know where that is. And I met a guy there because I was embedded in a Jordanian unit. And so my job was to train their intelligence officers so they could go to Afghanistan. And, uh, I met Lieutenant Abdullah. Abdullah was a devout Muslim. And I had just spent, so I was in Jordan in 2012. And I had spent 2009 and 10 in Iraq. Now let me tell you what my job was in Iraq. Those people in Iraq wanted to hurt us and go get all their virgins, and my job was to arrange the meeting. I was there to, to put them in the ground. Not Muslims, but the bad ones, right? It's not all of them. But I saw Muslims through crosshairs. I saw Muslims through UAV feeds. And when something happened, we used to high-five over it. Like, I, I put a bad guy away. Count it, right? Well, now, fast forward, I'm living among them. Uh-oh. Suddenly, you know, mind-blown. i gotta, I got to change my, change my mindset. So while I'm embedded in this Jordanian unit, we're up on the uh, Syrian border, and a bunch of idiots, namely the Air Force, they decided it was a good idea to burn Korans. Got it. Yeah, bright idea, right? You'd be pretty upset if someone burned your Bible, wouldn't you? Well, they burned Korans, and then the geniuses thought it was a good idea to do it in front of a news crew. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you guys couldn't hack it in the Army, so you went and burned Korans. Um, but here I am. I'm living with a bunch of people that are pretty upset about that. And my friend Abdullah, you could tell I was pretty nervous. We started, I, would, I carried a loaded weapon every time I, I talked to anyone, just in case, you know. Jordan has put plenty of terrorists on the map. And if I would have looked at Abdullah as just a Muslim, he wouldn't have become one of my best friends. And Abdullah looked at me and he goes, dude, I got you. He said it with an Arabic accent. I just can't do an Arabic accent, so I'm not going to try. But he said, I got you, buddy. I know you, I can tell the difference. It wasn't all Americans that did that. You're not just an American to me. You're Mike. And he said, I got you. And all of a sudden, me as a Christian, like, wait a minute, we've been fighting you dudes since the Crusades. I mean, Pope Urban told me to go kill you guys so I can get out of hell. 
and we've been doing this for thousands of years. You're not supposed to become my friend. What's happening? How could God work on my heart with a Muslim? That doesn't seem right. But he looked at me and goes, I got you. And it sort of, that was one of those, those mind-blowing moments where it clarified, like all of a sudden, wait a minute. Is the church about letting people in, or is the church about letting people out and keeping them in your crosshairs? And the story goes on to a little, it always brings me back to the passage, John fifteen thirteen. For greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Fast forward a few months, Abdullah was in Afghanistan, and a rocket came in and hit his office. And he was killed instantly. And it dawned on me, that verse isn't just for Christians. It's not just for people that have accepted Christ. That verse is for all of us. Abdullah gave his life for us, for you, for you. There was no draft in this war, right? 18 to 24-year-olds didn't have to go. Because Jordanians went and took up some of that space in Afghanistan for us, right? That dude was fighting other Muslims for us. And so because Abdullah gave his life, I wear, this, this right here is, is him. I, I keep him on my wrist 24 hours a day to remind me that it's pretty easy to be a Christian or act like a Christian, but it's pretty tough to react like a Christian. And maybe let people in and show the love of God before you cast him out and, and aim a weapon at him. And so, and, uh, so now I've covered my little bit of a war on just. And I'm going to leave you with one little part on the war on just before I move on. Don't ever think that you are just something. And I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you, when you, if someone ever says you're just something, could you imagine looking at Christ on the cross who'd been ripped to shreds and nailed to a piece of wood, and you're like, I'm just a janitor. And he's like, dude, I just did that for a, just a janitor? You're better than that? You're a dude that keeps this place clean, so we stay healthy. Oh, I'm just a secretary. No, you're not. You keep me busy so I can keep this company running and give all these people jobs. I'm just a receptionist at, a, at an office. Um, actually, you're the person that's going to make sure only safe people get into the building. Oh, wait a minute. Now you're keeping my family safe who works in that office. Don't let him die and don't let Christ die in vain and let yourself ever be just something. You're more than that. And don't ever, let it, don't ever call someone just anything. Because believe it or not, you take it a minute before you know it, you're not just anything. There's a whole lot more to you. Because I know I get demoralized if someone calls me just something. I'm just a soldier. You probably have PTSD. You probably just go and you can't handle it. You're just going to flip out and go kill people. Like, no, nah, I already did that. I'm good. Um, all right, so now we're going to talk about wisdom in odd places. Sometimes life just, God just has to come up and get you, right? He just sneaks up and you didn't hear him coming. So it's my first week in Iraq, and I'm in this section of a base where it's like, okay, take your name tapes off. You, you're, you don't exist for the next two days. Like, all right, this is bad. Yes. All right. I'm, like, I've seen this in James Bond movies. Like, it's cool. Where's, where's my Austin Martin? No, didn't get that. Uh, so I was in a section of the base where sources could come and go. So local Iraqis could come off the street and let us know what's going on and, and say, hey, you should go. Get that bad guy over there. I know. You should get him. Well, I'm sleeping there. Sound is, you know, sound is a pound. It's, I'm a baby. Just sleeping like a baby. Boom! An IED goes off right on the other side of the wall. I was like, boom, that's a big one. Well, right outside of every exit gate on, an, on a military base over there, there was a big pit 
where before you rolled out of the gate, you'd squeeze off a few rounds with your machine guns to make sure they work. Just be like, hey, just one last test before you go, and you go out. Well, that pit was right near my room. So in Mike Labway, young Lieutenant Mike Labway, the idiot that I was, I hear a big boom, and then I hear, like, it's going down. Jump out of my bed, throw my boots on, pants, don't need them. Shirt, don't need it. Rifle, boots, bam. Let's do this. And then I realized there's nothing going on around me. Like, they've got that covered. I'm going to be stealth. Good thing I don't have a name tape, right? Because no one knows that that idiot is ready to go throw down, right? I, was just, I almost just started shooting in the air like, this is... No. God taught me humility that day. That's why I'm sharing this story with you, because I could have let it go. Because it didn't make it to CNN. It didn't make it to... Uh, it didn't make the news real, right? But... Then, there's another story I'm going to tell you, because that's what I do, I tell stories. So while I was in, fast forward, I'm back in Jordan now. Everybody like, do this, this is my way back machine. I've moved from Iraq to Jordan, there's a year in between, just pretend. Um, I, I got to take my Jordos, I hope that's not an offensive term, because that's what we used to call them, was my Jordos. My team of Jordan, Jordanians, we went up to Germany to do an exercise with another U.S. unit, which was awesome, because Jordan sucks. Where I was living in Jordan sucks, and Germany is awesome. I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool. Well, one of the nights we got to go out on the town. This is the first time I've been on the town in almost a, in, by then it was like seven months before I had even seen civilization behind, other than you know Humvees and, and people in uniform. And I was like, I walked past this restaurant and I was like, I gotta go eat there because it was an Irish pub. And I craved authentic Irish food made by German people. <laughs> and the guy wouldn't serve me. He looked at me and he said in his German accent, or whatever, we do not serve GIs. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, son. Okay, one time I watched Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan. I know how this movie ends. You're serving me. And I was ready to rock. And a guy grabs me before I said things I would regret in a foreign country. He goes, sir, stop it. He goes, do you realize what you get to say now? I said, say that I'm about to have some words with this guy. He's like, no, you get to say, while you were deployed to Kuwait, training Jordanians to go to Afghanistan, you just got kicked out of an Irish pub in Germany. I was like, you're right, I win. I mean, like, I, 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 mic drop, I'm done. Like, that was the coolest story I ever get to tell for the rest of my life. So the rest of my speech today is going to kind of stink, because I let that one go early. But wisdom came up and grabbed my arm before I did something stupid. How many, how far, how many mils off target do you think that, that action would have taken if I started tussling with a, with a, re, with a waiter at an Ger- Irish pub in Germany while training Jordanians in Kuwait? You know, that probably would have thrown me way off course, right? So wisdom came up and grabbed me and slapped me right in the face, almost literally. Uh, but now I'm going to get a little real on you. I don't know if any of you guys know Noah. Noah's my friend. Passed away last week, last Friday, on a hiking accident. I got the news on, on Friday that he had passed away. I was pretty bummed out. I was, pretty, I was hurting. And my four-year-old son looked at me, and he, he kind of said, what happened? I said, well... But one of my one of my friends just died. He goes, "Why are you so sad?" 
he gets to be with God now. And I look at my four-year-old, I'm like, whoa, whoa, you can't have that kind of clarity. Like, it was a year ago, you were pooping yourself. But, but he dropped a truth bomb right on my forehead. I was like, bam, he's with God now. He's like, yeah, they keep talking about how awesome God is in class. And now this dude gets to be with God. Whoa, right? That's like the kind that takes your life and turns it upside down and shakes it out. Like, how can a four-year-old be smarter than me? But he is, right? It reminds me, and so I'm going to bring it to a scripture in Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be the Lord, be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another in these words. Like, whoa, my kid can't even read and he knows that. And I can barely read through it. But hey, look, it's right there in the scripture. This kid. So my little point about finding wisdom in strange places, before I knew it, a four-year-old just taught me how to be a man, how to cope with death at four years old. He watches Daniel Tiger and and whatever. And here he is like, no, dude, you can't teach me that. But I just learned from a four-year-old. Still sent him to his room, but whatever. <laughs> so, be on the lookout sometimes. Wisdom throws, God throws up some tripwires. Before you know it, you're going you're gonna to step on a little, uh, little truth landmine, I like to say. And it's going to change your whole world. This last piece I'm going to talk about is trust. I think I've got about enough time before I lose you guys. So, trust. So, the rocky road that I've been on. I'm going to kind of go run through my military career with you guys very quickly. I, I was stationed here at Fort Lewis. And uh, I met my wife here on January 2nd. And about February-ish, I got the order that I'm going to get deployed. That was when I found out I was going to Iraq in January, or in February, and I was going to leave in July. And my wife and I were dating, and... Uh, I had this moment where she told, uh, she told me, I know you're not from here, but I'll, and I know you're in the military, you're going to move around a lot, I'll follow you anywhere. I was like, I should probably marry this girl, right? Yeah, that was, probably, that, was that moment, right? I was like, I know I've only been dating you for like this many weeks, um, but we should get married. And then the orders, you know, I knew I was leaving in July, and then it kind of clicked with us. I'm going some, to a pretty gnarly place, a pretty ugly place, that uh, they are going to try to kill me over there. And the army doesn't do a very good job at recognizing girlfriends, right? You know, your your boo, your bay. Is that what you guys call it, bay? If I said like, where's who gets my life insurance? Not my bay. No, she doesn't get that. But so I got I got to put a ring on you. I got to make this real. And we got married five months to the day after we met. And I left about four weeks after that. And so we spent the first year of our marriage apart. That one was easy because I volunteered for that one. I knew I was. That was my first tour. I, that's why I signed up. I was gonna, I was gonna go kicking doors, and I was gonna slay dragons. So we made it through that first year, and I came back. Fast forward with me again, guys. Five months, five months. We're five months later. I get the news. I'm going again. I was like, "Gosh, I've been home for five months. Like, give me a break, guys." Yeah, you're going again in June or July. I was like, "Oh gosh, I gotta go home." I got, and imagine, imagine you're in my spot. I gotta go home and tell my wife this. My wife of a year and a half that I've only spent five months with physically uh, that I'm going to leave again for another year into a pretty gnarly place that they're going to try to kill me. And so I'm expecting her. She could walk that. That could end my marriage. Like, I'm driving home that night. Like, uh, this could be the night. This could be the night we get divorced because who would want to deal with me? I'm hard enough to deal with as it is. 
so I drive home and I walk in and, and I remember this date because it was February 6th, it was my birthday. She, uh, she goes, I got news, honey. And I said, so do I, you first. She goes, I'm pregnant. And I said, awesome. I don't have very good news. She's like, what, you're going again, aren't you? And I said, yeah. I left five weeks before my son was born. I made it home for the birth, which was pretty awesome, right? I got home, I got to see my son born. Two weeks later, I got back on the plane, and I didn't see him for 10 months. Didn't see my wife again for 10 months. So now it's three years into marriage, and I've only seen my wife for about 10 months of it, and I missed my son. I came home to him. This beast of a kid. But I figured out why I went on that second tour. That second tour is what took me from the dude that high-fives after killing somebody to a guy that knows he needs to get out of the military. It's time to be done. I was saved from being a calloused, stone-cold killer to a father and a husband when I came home. Because the second I came home, I resigned from the military, and a year later I was out. And that's what brought me here. So I was thumbing through the, the, you know, that book we all seem to subscribe to. Uh, Joshua 1.9. I will be strong and courageous, and I will not be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. Pretty important, right? Like, I went through some pretty tough stuff. That it, I think any one of those things could have destroyed any marriage. I'm sure plenty of us have divorced parents. I have divorced parents. And they went through what I think is, you know, pretty pathetic stuff to get a divorce. But even when I was a kid, I was thinking, man, my parents got divorced. This is pretty miserable. But it made me a better father, a better husband. I'm never going to, you know, I can honestly tell you, I probably will never divorce my wife. I know that now. Because I know what divorce did to me as a kid. I know what, how valuable life is because I laid face down on the floor in Iraq hoping that the rocket that comes in doesn't land on me. It landed on the guy two, two uh, rows behind me. Killed him. Somehow I was alive. It let me go to Jordan where I got to go and see the place where Christ was baptized. I got to walk on the same steps of Christ. I got to put my knees in the Jordan River. I went to the Red Sea. I went like this. Nothing happened. Thank God the Israelis were on the right side already because they would, have, they would have been stuck with me. So, where I'm going with that? Times get rough, right? This is, you've heard this all the time. Times get, times get lousy. Times get hard. But it says right there that Joshua, Joshua knew right away, I'm going to go head first into battle, but thank God I got God with me, right? And... One of the tricks I used to pick up, I, I suggest you guys try it when things get rough, your event horizon gets smaller and smaller. When I was in basic training, my goal was to make it to lunch. Like, if I can make it the next two hours, I'm good. I'll eat something and I'll be all right. When I was in Iraq, if I can make it the next five minutes, I'm good. That, the bombs are going off, but as long as I make it five more minutes, I'll be okay. And now, I'm an old man. I'm like, if I can make it to retirement, that's pretty awesome. Like, if my Roth IRA does okay. You know, those are like, that's the battles I fight now is with the stock market. That's pretty awesome. And like, if I sit in my cube for eight hours today, I get to go home. I slay a lot of PowerPoint dragons and spreadsheets and, and do all sorts of stuff. But, uh, but look, so I'm going to wrap it up with you guys tonight. That Start with your war on the word just. Imagine going to the cross and telling Christ that you're just a girl, you're just a dude. That's, that's rough, man. Because if, if I was up on that cross, I'd come down and slap you in the face. 
I didn't just go through that for you, for you to come and tell me you're nothing. That's not fair. Be careful about the choices you make because it could throw you around a little off course and before you know it, you're missing your target at the end. Look for wisdom in odd places. Those aren't potholes. Those are reminders that the road needs to be maintained. Those didn't break your car. It just reminded you to maintain your vehicle. Right? So look around you. Wisdom is right there. There's a whole book full of it. Thank, thank goodness they wrote it down for all of us to go check. Go pull out that book. There's a lot in there. I mean, Ed made a whole career out of one book. I wish my college years that I could have focused on just one book. It's lame. And then trust. Got to trust, man. If you can pray for faith and strength, you're golden. Faith to know that there's some master plan behind everything. And strength to know, to trust in, in that right there. Strength to live up to that. Live up to that dude that gave his life on the cross. Live up to what he did for you. And take comfort in knowing that if you don't live up to him, which none of us will, it's all right. You get another try. You get to keep trying. That doesn't mean you get to give up. So that's what I got for you guys today. I, I appreciate you coming in and listening to me ramble on and on. Uh, I think if I, uh, if some of these words touched you, why don't you guys be with me and bow your heads and close your eyes a little bit. Some of you maybe have never made that commitment. I'll tell you, I remember the day I was saved. I stumbled into it. I was at a, at a camp my cousins went to. I, my, I was just dropped off there for the day because someone had to watch me. And they said, has anyone ever been saved? And I was like, I don't know what saved is. What's saved? I'll raise my hand. And I stumbled right into saved. So why don't you go ahead and put your hand on your heart if this touched you today. And just know that there's someone, one of us can, can come talk to you afterwards. Have the courage to stand up and talk to us afterward. And we can see about getting you saved and put you on the right path. We can re-aim that cannon. We can take... Take comfort in knowing that, unlike artillery, God can redirect that round in midair. He can turn it around 180 degrees. I couldn't do that. And with that, I'm going to leave you guys in prayer. Father, we pray that that you were able to use my words to convey your message. That we walk out of here better people than when we walked in. That you can have an effect on these young people as they walk out this door. That they can glorify you in everything that they do. And I pray for faith to know that everything that happens to me when I set my next foot forward is because of you. And give me the strength to put my next foot forward after that. In your heavenly name, amen.